Amen. Hey, Pastor Jordan and Nadine are up in the Wiggins campus today speaking to the Wiggins campus of Northwood Church. And it's such an honor for, uh, for, for, for the opportunity for, to come down here at the Gulfport. I'm normally in Wiggins and, and I get to come down today and hang out with you guys. We're all one big happy family, one house, many rooms, right? Yes. And to continue uh, and actually conclude our series questions that we have been discussing throughout the month of April. And so we, we started off the month with Easter Sunday talking about the resurrection and why the resurrection, the importance of the resurrection and how, how it factors into our life. We also looked at the uh, reliability of the Bible and we hopefully dug into some knowledge, some information about the Bible that helps us to, uh, to understand why, why it's so important and why we can't live without it. Then we spoke on the morality topic. What, what about morality? Why is it important to us? What does it even look like? Last week, we talked about the goodness of God. How many of you know God's good? And so we talked about the goodness of God, and we kind of pointed out the idea that Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. And in that, he does that with his goodness. And so there is none of us that are good, right? None of us are good, not one. But when we put on the righteousness of Christ, we clothe ourselves in his goodness and we walk in goodness. We are good, not in and of ourselves, but because of Christ. Today, we're going to conclude this series by talking about faith. The title of the message today is What About Faith? I want to say that the last four weeks have really been uh, specifically talking about knowledge, that we, we, these areas, morality, biblical perspective, understanding the Bible and, and goodness of God, we've been talking about knowledge and how knowledge, uh, it's so important to understand, right? Understand things about God and about the Bible. And, and today we're going to talk about faith and, and I'm not leaving the idea, the pattern of knowledge. Today we're going to talk about some knowledge that goes along with faith. And I recall back 26-ish years ago, matter of fact, this August will be 26 years when I got saved, um, I, had, uh, I had lived a life of, of, of selfishness like so many of us, and I'd, I'd come to a place of desperation, went to a church, and uh, the pastor gave a simple gospel presentation. I gave my life to Christ, and I remember deciding that day that my way had not worked at all and I was ready to do it God's way. And so I, I said, I'm all in, right? I'm all in. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't t t dip my toe in the water. I've never been a dip my toe in the water kind of guy. If I'm going to do it, I'm diving in on the deep end. And so I did. I, I dove in and, and uh, it was all faith, man. It was just faith. I have no idea what I'm fixing to do, but here I go. And so jumped in all the way with God. And in that, I, I met some very interesting people, very uh, key people in my walk with God. God strategically put people in my life. Uh, Miss Mildred and her husband, Dick Stewart, were one of those first people. And uh, so I give honor today to, to godly men and women, right? That, that you know, you know uh, it, was, it, was, it was not necessarily uh, what was said, but when Dick Stewart started telling me there was more, I believed him. 
And I began to dig in and I went beyond faith. It wasn't just this faith experience anymore. It was now I want to know more. And the cool thing is God wants you to know more also. And so knowledge began to just flood. And for 26 years now, I have absorbed things of God and the, the, from the word of God to experiences, to history, to architect, uh, archaeological stuff. And it's just, it's just, I've soaked it up. Four years of Bible college was not enough. You know, it's like, ah, I want more. And so, um, but it's this soaking up of knowledge that didn't, didn't replace my faith, that actually augmented my faith, that helped my faith to grow even larger. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and we soak it up. And so, and then coming to Northwood 24 years ago, and Pastor Van becoming a spiritual father, and, and I want to tell you, you he he taught us everything we know by preaching the word of God and truth. And so many of us in the room uh, sat and heard and grew in that. And so it was knowledge, but the knowledge fed our faith. And so faith is foundational. Faith is key. But it, it's not that we replace faith with knowledge or replace knowledge with faith. It's, an, it's a both and situation with faith and knowledge. And so today, as we kind of talk just a little bit, a few minutes here today about, about faith, it is drawing from knowledge that builds our faith. Um, I do know that in the room today, there are some people who are believers, and maybe you've been taught uh, uh, this idea that looks kind of like blind faith. It's just that you just need to believe, brother, you know, just believe and don't worry about all that other stuff. Just believe. And I don't buy into that. I think you need to believe and also go find out. Believe and know, right? And so as believers in the room today, and then there's also some of your seekers today, and you're, you're seeking something, and, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to question God. God's a lot bigger than man. He's not afraid of questions. He's not insecure in any way. And so don't be afraid to ask questions. But in your asking, be willing to extend some faith and to believe God and to trust God in in some things that maybe it might be a little strange doing. And then there might be some of you here today that are skeptics, and that's okay too. Many people were skeptics at one time and kick the tires and dig a little bit, and maybe you need to know something. Uh, today is not going to be enough, I will tell you now, but it may be just another drop in the bucket that's filling slowly, and at some point you're going to realize that God loves you and that he has more for you, and you're going to give your life to Christ in faith. No matter where you find yourself today, though, let's get something today. Amen? God's here for a reason today. Let's get something today. Let's pray. Father, help us today. Amen. You know, we must understand that faith isn't vague. Faith isn't vague, and faith is not unreasonable. The Bible says that it is substance. The Bible says that faith is evidence of things not seen. Faith is not this blind, mysterious, okay, I'm just going to have an emotion called faith. No, faith is, is grounded. Faith is heavy. Faith is deep. It's not the opposite of facts. It actually takes all the facts and then goes a little further. Faith is something to be had, something to be held, something to behold, something to release. Faith is something that is a big part of us as believers. Faith defined in Webster's as complete trust or confidence in something or someone. Complete trust or confidence. God wants you to be able to have complete 
trust and confidence. He wants you to come to a point in your life, no matter what you've seen, no matter what you've heard, no matter what you've been through, no matter what happened to you in your life, he wants you to be able to come to a place where you can have complete confidence, complete trust in him. He is worthy. He is able. And he wants us to know that and to trust in that. And he's bringing us to that place. Wherever you find yourself in that journey, he's bringing us to that place. I believe this, and you can write this down. I believe that we are all born with faith. We're all born with faith. The Bible describes it as a measure of faith. We all have this element about us. We are all born with some faith on the inside of us. I kind of pictured it like a liquid almost. Just imagine with me. I'm a very visual guy, right? And so I'm thinking faith is this, this little bag of liquid on the inside of us. And we got to do something with that faith. And we typically do all pour that faith out into something throughout our life. We give our faith to something throughout our lives. There's four positions or four containers that uh, would basically, you know, theologians would agree there's four containers that people put their faith in. These four are, number one, atheism, uh, secondly, agnosticism, and thirdly, humanism, and the fourth is theism. Ag- atheism uh, is, is when people say they don't believe in God, and they disagree with people who are theists who, who believe that God exists and we serve him. And so there's this atheist, but people pour their faith out into this idea of atheism or they pour their faith out into this idea of agnosticism. And it's really uh, apathetic almost. Maybe that's my opinion. That's okay. Uh, I got the microphone. So it's, it's this idea though that, well, you know, maybe God, maybe there's not a God. I don't know. Don't know that I'm supposed to know. I'm just going to do life, right? It's really kind of like, denial in a sense, but it's okay. There's a lot of people, maybe you've been there, maybe you're there today, maybe you're listening online and you're agnostic and, and you know, I'm not dogging you out, but I'm telling you that is a faith container that we put our faith that we're born in into. And then there's humanism. Humanism is this idea that, um, that we're God. You know, we inherently are God. I am God. And so um, I tend to worship myself and give credit to myself for the things that I accomplish. Hey, you know, it's, if I can do it, I will. And, and, uh, and if not, then I wasn't meant to. And, and so it's humanism. So you've got atheism, you've got agnosticism, and you've got humanism. And then you've got theists who believe in God. Now, there's varieties and strains of theists, but we, we believe in God. We Theism is our belief. We believe that God is real, that he exists, and and that he rewards those who believe in him. But obviously, not all of us agree. Not everyone agrees with the idea that God exists. And some of you may be here today, and you're still kicking the tires on that. You're still exploring that, and I admire you for that. You may be listening online, and you've 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 always been taught or you've uh, leaned into the idea that there is no God. It's worth studying. It's worth going down this rabbit hole and discovering whether God exists or not. One of the uh, more famous uh, atheists and evolutionary biologist named Richard Dawkins recently made a comment that made the headlines. Uh, he was talking about one of our elected officials, and he said this. He said, religion is capable of driving people to such dangerous folly that faith, come on, somebody say faith, seems to me to qualify as a kind of mental illness. Now, interestingly, from a theist perspective, saying something like this is more of an indictment of himself because if I believe, and I do, that we all have faith and that we put our faith somewhere, he's putting his faith into atheism. We put our faith into theism. 
In other words, he's putting his faith somewhere and he's describing us putting our faith somewhere as being almost like a mental illness. Is he not indicting himself that he has a mental illness as well? (laughs) It's just my opinion. I don't know. So many people bash what they don't know. Uh, So many people are critical of what they don't know instead of going and finding out truth. Some people find out truth that, that makes sense to them and then they hold on to it without going further and discovering reason, discovering things past what they understand. The Hebrews, the Jewish people, take the word faith and they, they, they hold on to it as something of an anchor. In the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, the word faith is interpreted in the Jewish language as immuna. So often we're used to thinking of faith as a strategy for people who cannot think for themselves, right? It's just like this mysterious thing. Okay, well, you can't believe in truth, so just go ahead and have some faith. But in the Hebrew culture, this word faith, immuna, means so much more. It's an innate conviction, a perception of truth that transcends rather than evades reason. Quite the contrary, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge can further enhance immuna. Knowing more enhances our faith. It builds our faith. We learn that as believers. We embrace that idea that that we're not fools chasing a dream. We're men and women of God who believe God is true. And we're allowing him to shape and form and change our lives through wisdom and knowledge and reason. Because here's what we believe as as Christians, that at the end of the day, each of us will be held responsible for that measure of faith that God has given us. We will all stand before him and give an account of where we put our faith. Do we put our faith in nothing? like an atheist would, which is actually putting our faith in something. It's just something other than God. Or do we put our faith in apathy? Do we just say, well, I don't know, so I don't care, much like an agnostic would do? Do we put our faith in ourselves? Help us, Lord, if we do. So many have tried that and failed. Or do we put our faith in God? Do we put our hope in him, in a God that we cannot see, who we have to step out on a limb and say, I'm going to trust you, Lord. So many have done that, many in this room today. And maybe it's by faith. But there's so many things that God has done to illustrate himself, to put himself out there. There's so many things that God has done to give us this idea of what he looks like. You know, I'm speaking today in my notes or on an iPad. So this is an iPad and, and on this iPad there um, is glass and, and aluminum, 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 aluminum. Say that word? Aluminum. aluminum. <laughs> Finely crafted aluminum. It's got software that tells it what to do and 
it's got words on the page that help me to speak to you today. Now, one could think that this just happened. It just appeared. Poof. A big bang. And there it was. Come on, how many of you believe that? Then there's this idea, well, I'm sure something happened, but I don't really care. That's where I stand on this. I'm a very iPadic, iPadic agnostic. I don't care as long as when I push the button, it works. Then those that, that say, well, I made this. Now, I, I probably couldn't convince you, but I can convince my four-year-old grandbabies that I made this all by myself. That's very humanistic. Or I could believe that God vicariously through intelligent men much smarter than you and I made things that developed into this one day. And it is a creation of mankind, but inspired by God because God gives us all intellect and all intelligence. And he created the very brain that we think with and so forth. And so uh, we have different ways of looking at this. And there's different ways of looking at our approach to humanity and everything we see. The Bible tells us in Psalms 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his what? His handiwork. God tells us over and over and over again that he has given us everything we need to believe his very existence. All we have to do is begin to look around. That the creation of God is amazing, the universe is fearfully and wonderfully made in the, the world we live in, the human body. It's filled with splendor. And if, if we took the time to get away from ourselves, to take our eyes off of ourselves and our petty selfishness, we would be able to look a little further and see so many amazing things that God has done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some of those with you for the next few minutes. because I think it's kind of blows my mind. I think it'll uh, maybe maybe stretch yours. Number one is the complexity of our planet. It points to God. Listen to this about the Earth's size. The Earth's size is perfect. The Earth's size and corresponding gravity holds a thin layer of moist, uh, mostly nitrogen and oxygen gases, only extending about 50 miles above the Earth's surface. If Earth were smaller, an atmosphere would be impossible, like the planet Mercury. If Earth were larger, its atmosphere would contain free hydrogen like Jupiter. Earth is the only known planet equipped with an atmosphere of the right mixture of gases to sustain plant, animal, and human life. The Earth is located the right distance from the sun. Consider the temperature swings we encounter, roughly negative 30 degrees to 120 degrees positive uh, swings. If the Earth were any further away from the sun, it would freeze as we would too. Any closer to the sun, we would all burn up. Even a fractional variance in the Earth's position to the sun would make life on Earth impossible. The Earth remains this perfect distance from the sun while it rotates around the sun at a speed of nearly 67,000 miles per hour. And all the men said, yeah, speed, baby. It is also rotating on its axis, allowing the entire surface of the Earth to be properly warmed and cooled every day. And our moon is the perfect size and distance from the earth for its gravitational pull. The moon creates important ocean tides and movements so ocean waters do not stagnate. And yet our massive oceans are restrained from spilling over across the continents. 
water on the earth, this colorless, odorless, and without taste, and yet no living things can survive without it. Plants and animals and humans consists mostly of water. About two-thirds of the human body is water. It has a wide margin between its boiling point and its freezing point. Water allows uh, wide margin, um, allows us to live in an environment of fluctuating temperature changes while keeping our bodies at a steady 98.6 degrees. Water is a universal solvent. This property of water means that Various chemicals, minerals, and nutrients can be carried throughout our bodies and into the smallest blood vessels in the human body. Water is also chemically neutral without affecting the makeup of the substances it carries. Water enables food, medicines, and minerals to be absorbed and used by the body. Water has a unique surface tension. Water and plants can therefore flow upward against gravity, bringing life-giving water nutrients to the top of every, even the tallest trees. And Water freezes from the top down and floats so fish can live in the water. 97% of the earth's water is in the oceans. But on earth, there is a system designed that removes salt from the water and then distributes that water throughout the globe. Evaporation takes the ocean waters, leaving the salt and forms clouds which are easily moved by the wind to disperse water over the land for vegetation and animals and people. It is a system of purification and supply that sustains life on this planet, a force of recycled and reused water. Hey guys, we're never gonna run out of water. That was God's plan. The human brain, the human brain simultaneously processes an amazing amount of information. Your brain's probably beginning to do that now. (laughs) Your brain takes in all the colors and objects you see. The temperature around you, the pressure of your feet against the floor, the sounds around you, the dryness of your mouth, even the texture of a computer keyboard. Your brain holds and processes all of your emotions, all of your thoughts, and all of your memories. At the same time, your brain keeps track of all the ongoing functions of your body, like your breathing pattern. Listen to your breathing. Your brain's thinking about that. You weren't. Now you are. Your eyelid movement, do you notice that? You don't even notice you're blinking, but you're blinking. Now you're noticing you're blinking because now I told you you're blinking. Stop blinking. You can't because your brain wins. It it measures your hunger and you're probably going to begin doing that shortly. Movement of your muscles in your hands and every other muscle of the body. The brain processes more than a million messages a second. Your brain is busy up there. Wow. Your brain weighs the importance of all this data, filtering out the relatively unimportant things. The screening function is what allows you to focus and operate effectively in your world. The brain functions differently than any other organ. There's an intelligence to it, the ability to reason, to produce feelings, to dream, to plan, and to take action, and to relate to other people. The brain is amazing. The human eye can distinguish among seven million colors. It has automatic focusing and handles an astounding 1.5 million messages simultaneously. That's a big God. You know, when we take a look at the universe, most scientists as well as theologians begin that the universe had to start somewhere. Scientists are convinced that our universe began with one enormous explosion of energy and light, which they call the Big Bang. This was the singular start to everything that exists. The beginning of the universe, the start of space, and even the initial start of time itself. 
Astrophysicist Robert Jastrow, he was a self-described agnostic, stated the seed of everything that has happened in the universe was planted in that first instant. Every star, every planet, and every living creature in the universe came into being as a result of events that were set in motion in the moment of the cosmic explosion. The universe flashed into being, and we cannot find out what caused that to happen. Snicker, snicker. <laughs> Steven Weinberg, a Nobel laureate in physics, said at the moment of this explosion, the universe was about 100,000 million degrees centigrade, and the universe was filled with light. The universe has not always existed, yet scientists have no explanation for the sudden explosion of light and of matter. Now, right now in this moment, we are actually slightly smarter than scientists. <laughs> right? Because we know how it all started. And not only that, we know who started it when he said, let there be light. Bang. Some of you will understand this. I just visualized God when he did that. He was like, and then he dropped the mic. And he rested. Not because he needed to, but because he wanted us to know. He rested. I'm done. <laughs> There's laws of nature that speak to a, an, amazing, an, an amazingly creative God. Uh, much of life may seem uncertain, but look at what we can count on day after day after day. Gravity remains constant. Aren't you glad? A hot cup of coffee left on a counter will get cold. The earth rotates in the same 24 hours, and the speed of light doesn't change. On earth or in galaxies far from us, how is it that we can identify laws of nature that never change? Why is the universe so orderly, so reliable? The greatest scientists have been struck by how strange this is. There is no logical necessity for a universe that obeys rules, let alone one that abides by the rules with mathematics. The, this astonishment brings from the recognition that the universe springs from the recognition that the universe doesn't have to behave this way. It is easy to imagine a universe in which conditions change unpredictably from instant to instant, or even a universe in which things pop in and out of existence. Richard Feynman, a Nobel Prize winner for quantum electrodynamics, said this: "Why nature is mathematical." is a mystery. The fact that there are rules at all is a kind of a miracle. Scientists are studying so hard to discover something that the Bible has made so plain, that God exists. And then he makes himself known to us in amazing ways. Romans chapter one, verse 20 says this. It says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature. Hold up, hold up. I'm gonna say that again. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, 
So they, somebody say me. So me, they are without excuse. When we talk about faith, the question often is, does God really exist? Why would I put my faith in a God that I can't prove or I can't see? God is here today to challenge that and to say, oh, you can see me. Everywhere you look, you see me. You can't help but see me. The question really shouldn't be, does God exist? The question should be, how could we not put our faith in God? How could we deny God? How could we be so caught up with ourselves? Overwhelmed with egotism to think that we know more than the creator of our very being. How could we think that we could question God? A man named Job tried that and God said, hey, sit down right there. Let me talk to you. <laughs> Some of you know the story. and God asked questions that Job had no answers for. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six says this about faith. It says it is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. So, so God puts a lot of weight on faith. And he's saying, if you're gonna come to me, at some point in your journey, at some point in your reasoning, at some point in your intellectual studies, you're gonna have to come to a place where you can't say, I know, you're gonna have to say, I believe. And God is doing everything he can, has done everything he can, and will continue to do everything he can to help convince you that he is real and that he loves you. But at the end of the day, we each have to stand account before God and choose. And some of you have chosen. Some of you said yes to God, and you're on that journey, that, that walk with him. And others of you, you're kicking the tires. Other of you, you've, you've drawn a line in the sand, and you say, I'm just not going in unless God shows himself to me. And you can hold that posture for a long, long time. God's continuously inviting you to jump in, to jump into the deep end and experience him but it will take faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And it goes on to say anyone who wants to come to him must, number one, believe that God exists. And number two, that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. The Bible lists a hall of fame, as it were, for faith people, Abraham, Moses, and Noah, Rahab, and the list just continues on and on. And it talks about their exploits. It talks about their experiences with God. It talks about the great things they did. It talks about the, 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 the things they did that weren't so cool. There, weren't, there were sin. And, and yet God came through and he's the center point of their lives. And they believed in God. And it says about that, that it was accounted unto them as righteous because they believed God. So in all their exploits and all of the journeys that they took and all the things they did and said, and gosh, they made it in the Bible. How many of you did, huh? <laughs> and yet in all of that, it was believing in God that really stands out. It was the faith that they expressed to God and said, God, I don't know anymore, but I'm going in. I'm going to believe you. 
And it was in this moment of, of name after name after name, of faith after faith after faith, that the writer here says, oh, and you too. In order to please God, you've got to have faith. You've got to say, I believe that God exists and that he rewards those who believe. An eternal reward. Unity with God throughout eternity. My faith in God has produced this understanding that I'm going to live forever with God. Those who are in Christ, you're going to live forever with God. That is a tremendous reward in itself. I mean, say that's enough, right? But there's this amazing peace that comes and this the joy that comes in knowing that I've chosen God's side and he's chosen me. There's rewards in this life and the next from believing that God exists. One last scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by all these testimonies, so it's such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let's run with endurance the race God has set before us. You know, we've each got a race to run, a life to live. And I, I don't know where you come from, what's happened to you, where you've been and all that. But I'm going to tell you, I know this about all of us. We each have a race to run. And some of you, you're in that race. You're running that race. And let me cheer you on today, right? Some of you, you're, you're not yet. Today's a good day to enter that race. To team up with Jesus and to begin to run this race of faith. Experiencing all that God has for you. Experience his goodness. Experiencing his peace in the midst of the storm. Experiencing the blessings of walking with the creator of all things. The writer here tells us we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. At the end of the day, the question that we all have to answer is what do we do with Jesus? What do we do with Jesus? Father, help us today. Help us today in all of our intellectual wranglings to see Jesus and for his great love for us and that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. You gave your all so that we could live. There's so many here today that you've been fighting this fight. You've been racing around, searching. You've been trying to ignore the hurt and the pain, this, this void deep down inside of you. You've been wrestling with the anxieties and you've been searching for answers. God's here today in the person of Jesus Christ and he's got his arms wide open and he's saying, if you'll just put your faith in me, it's a decision we make, but it's based on faith. 
The Bible says that if we'll believe in our hearts that Jesus died for our sins and we'll confess it with our mouth, it says we'll be saved. Saved from what? Saved why? The answer to that is that because of sin, we're separated from God. And when we say yes to Jesus, he reconciles us to him. And we're, we're saved from an eternal destiny of separation from him. God knows you and he loves you despite you. Today, he extends his hand and says, come and be with me, be on my side. So nobody's looking around right now. I, I tell you, this is a moment right now where many of you are like, you know, I want to know God. I want to be saved. And I'd love to pray with you and help you in that process. I'm not going to ask anybody to stand up or come up front, but I, I'll tell you, I, I want to pray with you right where you're sitting there. A simple prayer of faith to say yes to Jesus. So if you're here today and you know, you, you, you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you did a long time ago, but you've walked away and you don't know God today, but here right now in this moment, God's presence is drawing you back home. I want to pray with you. Nobody looking around right now, but if that's you and you want to be a part of this prayer, I want to ask you to extend some faith right now. Simply do this. Just lift your hand and put it right back down and then we're going to pray. Come on, all over the room. Just slip it up. Put it right back down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. I see those hands. God bless you. Somebody else, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. Come on, I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody in the back, I see that hand. All over the room. God bless you over here. Yes. God loves you so much. Come on, if you raise your hand, I want you to pray something like this. And I'm just going to say a prayer, a simple prayer of faith. It's not about fancy words. It's the cry of your heart saying yes to Jesus. But say, God in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. I turn from them today and I ask you to save me, rescue me, set me free. Just invite him, say, God, I ask you to come live inside of me and teach me to know you, teach me to love you. Come on, tell him this, say, I give you all of me, God, and I receive all of you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Everybody look this way. If you raised your hand, so many did all over the room today, and you prayed that prayer, this is what happens, and I want you to see this. <clears throat> when we give our sins to God, the Bible tells us that he is faithful to forgive those sins. So God says, your sins are forgiven. I say that with confidence because I believe God. Your sins are forgiven. The Bible goes on to say that he separates those same sins that you just gave to him as far away from himself as the east is from the west. He's done with that. Now he's saying, come on, let's go. Let's have an adventure together. And he invites you to grab his hand and to walk with him and to experience him and to know him and to be known by him through the ups and downs of life. Now, you know, you came in today, you had a lot of trouble back home. And I'm not here to tell you that that trouble won't be there when you get back home. But what I, I will guarantee you is that when you get back there to all that trouble, you won't be alone anymore. But that God will be by your side. That's right. So many of you, maybe you, were, maybe you were already in Christ, you've already gotten saved and you're here today. I want to challenge you just with this message today. I know I read a lot of content, but I want to challenge you with this message today that 
Let your faith be built up by the amazing creation of God. Don't be satisfied just to go to church. Don't be satisfied just to read your Bible, but there's, there's more. Open your eyes and experience all that God has for you. I will be first to admit that in life, sometimes we get so busy we don't take the time to acknowledge. You know the old story, you know, don't take the time to smell the roses, but we must take the time to see the fingerprint of God in all of the things around us. Worshiping God is something we do way outside of Sunday mornings, although Sunday morning is a great time together. But when we acknowledge God's fingerprint in his creation and we say, I see you, it's worshiping God. And you can do that at your house in your backyard. You can do that on the job. You can do that with your family. You can do that on your Sunday afternoon drive. You can do that anytime. I see you, God. I see you there. And you let him know that you believe. I believe it. That just, you know, as a father, as a grandfather, when my grandbabies smile at me and say, thank you, Poppy. Oh, what else do you want, right? And when we do that to Daddy God, I have to believe that he's like, what else do you want? Come on. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to get out of here today and go practice some faith. Thanks so much for watching Northwood Church. Wherever you're watching from, we want you to know that we consider you family. We as a church want to help people know God. And our hope is that today you are encouraged and closer to God through this program. If you just prayed that prayer, first let me say congratulations. Starting your relationship with God is the best decision you can make, but it's also just a start, and we want to help you on your journey of faith. If you're watching and you want to become a partner in what God is doing in South Mississippi through Northwood Church, you can give simply by texting the amount you want to give to the number 228-215-3421. Again, that number is 228-215-3421. By giving, you're helping local food pantries, women's resource centers, missions, outreaches, and so much more. Even just $5 can go a long way. Again, text the amount to 228-215-3421. Northwood is one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, Mississippi, and we'd love to see you there. You can check out our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Be sure to connect with us at northwood.tv or on social media to stay up to date with all the exciting things happening around Northwood Church. Thank you for watching, and we hope to see you soon.